Welcome to Hookah Chats with Matt and Ethan, a podcast where two friends catch up and talk about whatever nerdy stuff comes to mind, usually over hookah. Enjoy. Let's talk about movies. Movies. (laughs) On that note. (laughs) On that note. Matt, movies suck. Some movies suck. Many, many movies. Many a movie. Um, I famously, listeners, if you don't know this by now, from either not knowing me or not, you know, not listening to other things that I've said and done on other podcasts, I famously or infamously hate movies. Um, mostly because I, uh, get very frustrated with movies, particularly movies from like maybe the last 10 years or so, um, Part of it is probably nostalgia. Like there are movies that I that I very much enjoy growing up, um, but uh, but I I struggle with with liking movies um, as movies. There are movies that I like because they make me feel rage, or they make me feel you know something like. They make me laugh at how terrible they are. Right. I could sit and watch the Twilight films all the time because they're just so bad, and they're and they're they're kind of there's something kind of glorious about how bad it is. But at the same time, like Man of Steel, the Zack Snyder Superman right. movie, Man of Steel is is like a walking turd. Like like it is it is a it is a terrible film, and I cannot watch it because it is joyless. Like like there is there is nothing about it. That like there's there's like two moments in that movie that I laughed at. One of them is when little little ten year, pardon me, ten year old Clark Kent, in order for Zack Snyder, uh, in order to show that Clark Kent is intelligent and virtuous, at ten, he had Clark Kent read a, a book that uh, the cover just said Plato, you know, and it's just <laughs> and that's it, and, and I'm like. What one? The Timaeus? The Republic? The, you know, like what's he reading? No, the book Plato. No, Don't Plato. You know? Plato. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah, Clark Kent. He's he's a smarty. He's a smart guy. He's very very virtuous and nice. Or like in that same movie, Clark goes to talk to, I don't know, like a priest, and and uh, the priest is like, you're you're made for great things, son. Things are gonna go really great. And then like right behind Clark is just like a crucifix with Jesus hanging yeah. on it. And yeah. I'm like, ah, it's because he's Jesus. Yes, yes. A, little, a little heavy on the symbolism. There. He's Jesus. But I fa- but I hate movies. I I get very frustrated with movies. I much prefer TV. And I of course, uh, when I have the time, love to read fiction. And stuff like that. Why are movies so bad? Well, um, the majority of movies are products of their time. That's true. And the majority of movies are money-making endeavors. That's true. Um, so I think that most movies simply lack the the um, the passion of like a novel, mm. right? When a when a novelist is writing, they are they're pouring out whatever. Now they could be motivated by money, and they could be sure. motivated by politics, or they could be motivated by anything that a movie can be motivated by. But I think the time and the effort and the individuality, mm-hmm. the the authority of of an individual writing a story and producing a piece of fiction or nonfiction or whatever, and having that be his own unique creation that he's bringing into the world has a sense of a certain sense of pride and a certain sense of of, of articulation and uh, uh, efficiency, if yeah. you will. Uh, movies 
are often conglomerations of many influences, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have studio executives that are looking at a bottom line. You have activists that want their piece in there. You have, and so there's all these different um, motivations hitting a script mm-hmm. that don't necessarily hit a novel or a novella. Yeah, that's fair. That's right? True. So there are movies that pull off being movies very well. Mm-hmm. I think we're fortunate in the age that we now live in where we have mediums such as streaming uh, services and things that can really delve into the depth and the nuance of some of these characters and really tell a, a fine story right? and have the time to explore character development, explore different plot twists and really not have to sum it up and package it in a two-hour uh, marketable, send it out quickly sure. uh, and re- get our box office returns format, right? Mm-hmm. So the reason that most movies suck is because they're just not designed to be good. Yeah. They're designed to be flashy, right? Yeah. Most movies are designed to be flashy and even those that are that are considered Oscar-worthy, um, most of those are um, only regarded so by a minority of film critics, you know, it's sort of like sort of like the Grammys. Like we had, mm-hmm. a, we talked about the Grammys before. There's a very elite class that decides what's an Oscar-worthy movie or an Oscar or a Grammy-worthy song, you know, and that's not necessarily the popular thing. So that's that's how you get movies like Twilight that are mm-hmm. just panned by the critics, but they're critically or, or they're critically panned, but they're commercially successful, successful, right? Um, I hate most movies. I don't have the same sort of disdain for them as you do, <laughs> but I don't. I don't look for them to be more than what they are. Right? Like sure. for Man of Steel, for example, we've seen the Superman origin story like seven times right. on film. Not that's not even including comic books or novels or TV shows or yep. cartoons. Like we've seen seven movies with the same thing. Yep. So, like, when Zack Snyder got his hands on it, I was like, okay, here we go again. I never had the expectation that it was going to be, a, you know, something that was going to blow my hair back and be wonderful. I looked at it from a cinemata- cinematography standpoint. I thought it was shot well. It looked good. Visually pleasing. Sounded good. Story was, hmm. But the story was nothing new. The story right, was nothing new. Mm-hmm. I mean... Of course they're going to throw corny shit like the crucifix in the background. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, some dumbass is going to pick up on it and go, Ah, I get it now. He's like Jesus. You know, that's amusing to me, too. It doesn't tank the whole movie for me. No, no. But, like, you know, I, I think most movies... Like, what would you consider a good movie? What would you consider a timeless movie? What would you ooh. consider a classic ooh, ooh, movie? Ooh, ooh. I, can, I can think of several movies that... Most movies fall into the trope of, of being very dated. Like you can watch yeah, a movie. I think that's true. You can watch a movie from the two thousands area. Yeah, yeah. And 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 when you watch it today, you can cringe on a lot of the things that are said, right? Right. Or, because they don't age well. They don't. They don't translate well over time. If you watch a movie in the eighties, like the Meatballs movies, right? Mm-hmm. They weren't great movies, but if you watch them today, they're offensive. Sure, <laughs> right? But that was considered comedy in the 80s. Right, right. right. So, like, you have to take that into consideration as well. So, mm-hmm. a good movie, a really good movie, is able to escape those kind of trappings. A good movie is able to, to be as good today as it was 20, 30, 40 years ago. And I think that the 
the streaming media that's coming out now has the ability to stand that test of time into the future. Yeah, I think that's I think that's But fair. I don't think a lot of the movies being produced now are any different than any of the movies being produced in any decade. You're going to get, you know, a handful of them. Right. Five, six movies. Right. That right. are going to be good movies for this time period. Mm-hmm. Just like there's only a few of them that are good for those time periods, you know. And even those can be picked apart. Mm-hmm. Right? Like one of my favorite movies of all time was Top Gun. Sure. Like, like it was just like cool. Right, mm-hmm. nineteen eighty six or whatever it came out. Like Top Gun was the shit. Like Kenny Loggins' soundtrack and it was awesome. Sure, sure. Tom Cruise was like the fucking man. And I still watch that movie today and I enjoy it. Sure. I enjoy it. it it's horrible. It, it at times with Kelly McGillis's acting, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. But like, but like you know, there's still the you know guys flying around in the F fourteen Tomcats and shooting each other out of the sky. That action itch gets scratched you know and it's entertainment right Mm -hmm. it's not supposed to be it's not supposed to be so riveting that like it it changes your life whenever you see it you know it's not like a novel where you're like oh my god i totally think about things in a different way you're just sitting there for two hours you're stuffing popcorn in your face maybe you have a beer maybe you have a soda whatever and you just go along for the ride for two hours and it's all it's supposed to be sure so and i think that's fine like like there are movies like that in my life that that so i will drop anything i'm doing if if like back when I had cable, if I was watching TBS, it was like it could be midnight. I might have high school the next day. That's the last time I had cable. Was when I lived <laughs> with my parents. Um, it could be high school the next day at seven thirty in the morning. But if I see up next Vin Diesel, The Chronicles of Riddick, I'd be like. Fuck. Well, that is such an odd I'm, selection. I'm up here for two and a half hours. I have to watch the Chronicles of Riddick. I love the Chronicles. As of a Riddick. guy who knows you and knows your tastes and knows your dude, I can like, watch Chronicles. I, of Riddick I, I, that's a surprising one to me because that movie is a sh- it, fucking turd. It's so terrible. It's so terrible. I let me tell you though why I why I like uh, that actually that whole franchise because there's there's. Three movies, four if you count an animated movie they did with Vin Diesel, which is pretty good. Um, I think that what I like about Riddick is it is a unique, and by unique I just mean new world, new character. You know, it, it's not a, it's not terribly unique looking wise, but like it's new world, new character, unconnected to the the standard grouping of science fiction. Universes, but it's a sequel, and it's a sequel to pitch, <laughs> but it's a sequel to Pitch Black. Right. I, I like I, this is more about the whole series, right? Okay, the okay. whole series. I'm with you. But but uh, and that's something that I really appreciate about that is like, wow, Riddick. He's a he's a character that that somebody took a risk and came up with. Yeah, a big risk. Yeah, a big risk. <laughs> you know, and Pitch Black's not a bad film. Yeah, I, I don't, it's pitch, not a pitch good Black's film. Not a great film. <laughs> but but like it's a it they. People taking risks to come up with a character and a world mm-hmm. and a lore, and then they go, "Here it is. We're not we're not recreating Luke Skywalker. Right. This is Riddick." And I go, "Yes, like like I like that. It's fun. The Chronicles of Riddick is a shit-tastic movie <laughs> with with actually a glorious cast. Right. Like, like Vin Diesel is not terribly good, but he doesn't have to be. Right. But like." But like Keith David is in it. Like mm-hmm. Keith David, he's in Pitch Black too. He plays the imam. Mm-hmm. Keith David is is fucking bananas. He's a great <laughs> actor. Um, Carl Urban, Amber Stewart of oh, Gondor yeah. is in it. He's Vako. 
he's one of the bad guys. I'm like, what's Carl Urban doing here? Look at you, brother. Like, like it's it's so silly and great, um, and I and I love it. And and do I think it's like, did it change my life? No, but yeah, but, but it's something but you enjoy. It. And and actually, it is something, and there is nothing yeah. wrong with that. And I think that that the the risk taking factor is one of the reasons why I I like the pole franchise and why I like the Chronicles of Riddick the film because it is it is a movie that um, that that attempts to tell its own story with its own characters mm-hmm. and and doesn't rely on a book. Or rely on, I mean, there's it's, it was a good cast, but it didn't rely on like wasn't like George Clooney was in it, you know, right, it wasn't right, like right. anything like that, um, and 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 I'm, and I like that, and I'm prepared to reward that, right? Like I'm prepared to reward that with like, yeah, good, that's what I want. I, I appreciate something like the Marvel films. I do. I'm hard on the Marvel films because I think that. I think that they are often mediocre while still being very entertaining films. Um, but what frustrates me about the kind of current way movies are done is nobody seems to be, at least in mainstream film, I don't watch a ton of indie films. Indie films are almost always exempt from this because that's the point of an indie film. But like, I don't see a lot of rewarding for risk-taking. You know, there, it doesn't seem to me, from my perspective, that uh, studios or the people with the money are pre- are prepared to take on that risk with a director or with an idea, and instead they go, "No, is the word Star Wars in it?" Right. You know, and and like and I get and you that. get a lot of executive interference and studio interference, mm-hmm. and it really makes the product suffer. It because, does. You know, that's why we have a a, a Zack Snyder cut of the the Justice League. Exactly. Right? Like, I haven't seen the new Justice League. I don't know mm-hmm. what the new one's like. I, I know it's four either. hours long. But, like, that wouldn't have happened without... Well, his son died. Right. But, I mean, it wouldn't have happened without studio interference. You're right. Right? That, like, somebody else dipping their fingers into the pot. And that's what mm-hmm. I'm, I'm talking about with the difference between, like, a novel. When Stephen King writes a novel, and mm-hmm. I'm using Stephen King not because he's the best author in the world, but because he's well-known and well-read... Um, he is the one guy that says, okay, this is what's going to happen in my novel. And then whenever a, a TV or a movie studio gets a hold of one of his books, mm-hmm. they fucking ruin it. Like, every time. Because you take what the man's done, you add all these other things in there, you have a, a, a crucifix behind Superman, mm-hmm. or you have some kind of corny bullshit that has to get added because some dumbass studio executive who's not an author thought it was a good idea or yeah. somebody thought they were being clever and it ends up tanking the whole, excuse me, tanking the whole movie, mm-hmm. you know? Certain movies... What I look for in a movie, I look for two things in a movie. Number one, is it going to entertain me? Is it going to keep me interested, right? I, like, So when I use the example of Top Gun, Top Gun had just the right amount of action spaced out over a storyline that was pretty simple sure. and pretty easy to follow. And it was dealing with things that as a you know, 12, 13-year-old kid, when I first saw it, I thought were awesome. Yeah, like yeah. It, flying jets was a cool thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like in the way it was shot, the way that it was um, 
the the soundtrack the all of it it was just really well packaged and it was exciting and it was um visually pleasing and it kept you engaged from the beginning to the end it wasn't terribly long mm -hmm. you know so it was a good romp right that's sure. one thing i look for in a movie um the other thing i look for in a movie is like believability and context yeah yeah right so what i mean by that is um um if you take a movie like um have you ever seen the M. Night Shyamalan disaster piece, Signs? I know it. I know it well. Okay. Um, I major I not Major spoilers this, I know. here, listeners. Um, my problem with the movie Signs is it's about this alien invasion where, you know, the aliens are leaving different crop circles and basically what they're doing is coordinating an attack and then they're all going to come down at once and attack. And There's all this kind of... Um, metaphysical bs that's put in there about like people seeing images or having you know premonitions or dreams or whatever mm. there's this little girl that's uh, mel gibson's daughter in the in the movie that has this thing about leaving cups of water half drunk everywhere all over the house so there's always like half full cups of water everywhere mm. and uh it's all brought about at the end as uh you know some sort of mystical coincidence that the aliens that arrive are somehow vulnerable to water and, then, right. and they end up killing the aliens in the, that attack the house with water and it's beautiful right it was awful it was a really good setup mm -hmm. the movie was well set up for the first hour and a, hour and 10 20 minutes the drama was building the suspense was building it was all really well done and then we find out that a superior race of aliens has trans has been able to transport themselves across intergalactic space and arrived at a planet that, was that is 70% water. <laughs> Their only vulnerability is water, and they come down naked without even wearing spacesuits. Give me a fucking break. Like, that ruins the whole right. damn movie. It's not believable within its own context. So it makes it terrible. It doesn't matter how well it was shot. doesn't matter how well it was written. doesn't matter how good an actor you think Mel Gibson or Joaquin Phoenix is. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter because the movie is shit because it's not believable within its own context. Right. And you take a movie like um, Highlander. Have you ever seen the movie Highlander? I know it. But I, I love I love the movie Highlander. Now, I'm not talking about all the other bullshit movies after that or the TV series after that. I'm talking about strictly the movie Highlander, the original one with, like, um, um, oh, Clancy Brown. Uh, he plays, Was Clancy Brown in that yeah, film? He played the he played the Kurgan. He played the, like the main bad Are guy. Are you kidding? He's fucking amazing. That's great. It. Yeah. I have to watch that. It, oh, I it's love really Clancy good. Brown. But the the best thing about that movie is it's a high fantasy, right? Yeah. It's about a group of immortals, you know, people that go around cutting each other's heads off mm -hmm. in a, in this grand competition to to be the only one. There can be only one, right? There's only one remaining at the end, and it happens to be. You know, the guy that's most least likely to, to win it. Right, right. <laughs> the Highlander, right? But the way that the, the movie's shot, um, it jumps back and forth between late 80s New York and, and you know, there various points throughout the life of Connor McCloud. Mm -hmm. um, but it's all believable in its own context. Of course, I know there's not immortals. Of course, I know there's not right, people right. running around chopping each other's heads off for, mm -hmm. you know, a game of, of uh, you know... Of epic proportions, of course we know that that's not true, but like sure. it's believable within its own context. It's a good original story that 
crosses all the boxes that you need to to believe what's going on in the story, to yeah. to buy into it, and it makes it a great film. Right. And it, 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 I think it's one of the best fantasy films out there. I, I loved it. I'll have to watch it. I'll oh, watch it. watch it. You'll enjoy it. Clancy Brown, man. Clancy Brown. Mr. Krabs himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He plays the Kurgan, and he uh, the Kurgan's like the main bad guy, mm-hmm. right? And he's he's just fantastic in that. Right. Sean Connery's in it. I Sh- did Sean know Connery did plays like the Connery. mentor of Connor McLeod, who's uh, who's the main character. Um, really good movie, but believable in its own right. context. I would call that in my in my lexicon in my language. I would just call that a movie that follows its own rules. Right. You know, where where I know exactly what you're saying, where it's okay if I have questions. Like it's not that it's not that I need it all to be tied up like a fucking puzzle box. That's not what I mean. Right. It's okay if you ask questions. It's okay if there's a thing that is left up to mystery. I'm fine with that. But when it begins to compound, when the questions begin to go, Yeah, but how? Or wait a minute, why? Or or now that doesn't explain to me how that makes sense. Right. Like as they compound, um, or like in the case of signs, when an entire plot point hangs off of a contradiction that can't possibly, yeah. that there, there's no conceivable way, you know, even if it's just one thing, like there's no conceivable way, like War of the Worlds. Right. War of the Worlds is a good example of like the anti signs. I don't really like War of the Worlds right. that much. They remade it, um, I forget who they remade it with. Uh, Tom Cruise was in it. Ah, you're right, that was a Tom Cruise film. Like, I have a guilty thing. I have a guilty pleasure with Tom Cruise. I no, I haven't seen a movie of Tom Cruise that I didn't like. I mean, maybe you some become a Scientologist. Some are better than others, but like, I don't know what it is about that guy. He just, I I think he's made some good films. Like, I I, yeah, I, I enjoy his films. They're not okay. Let me rephrase that. I'm not saying he's he's making good films. I'm saying he's making films that are enjoyable to me. Like, I everything. I can't think. Off the top of my head, with the exception of possibly Vanilla Sky, of a Tom Cruise movie that I didn't, that I that I didn't like. Sure. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. I'm sorry. I, didn't, I don't mean like to that. take no, you off. No, your no, no. Like, like, but like, War of the Worlds is sort of like for for me like the the reverse image of Signs. Mm-hmm. Both alien invasion films, both all of that, and both sort of end the same way. Sure. It's just that the the way War of the Worlds ends. It doesn't end on a contradiction that makes you go, huh? Like, yeah. like why are they so dumb? Like, no, it, it's it, so the it, listeners, the aliens, and War of the Worlds, essentially same plot except for they don't have all the mystical. Mel Gibson's not in War of the Worlds. He's not. <laughs> he's not like trying to refine his faith or any bullshit like that. You know, like War of the Worlds is aliens have come to con- take control of planet Earth. And Tom Cruise. They want they, us for our resources. They want us for our resources. And in the remake, Tom Cruise and Dakota Fanning run around. Yeah. Um, and it ends with uh, uh, kind of all sort of at once the the aliens in their big mech suits and, and all that stuff sort of all die kind of all at once. And the explanation is the aliens uh, do have zero immunity to the microbes and, and bacterium and viruses on planet Earth. And they did not see it coming. Mm-hmm. There was no way for them to have seen it coming, and they died. Right. Is it my favorite ending of any, te- of any movie? Hell no. I don't really like War of the Worlds. But it's not an ending that made me go, huh? Like, no, it's an ending that made me go, oh. Yeah. 
Well, you got to okay. understand, The War of the Worlds was written by H.G. Wells at the turn of the century, the turn right. of the 20th century, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and it was very um, forward-thinking at the time. Absolutely. You know? And so The War of the Worlds was, was kind of the predecessor for all these alien invasion movies we've had mm-hmm. since. I mean, Independence Day is a giant blockbuster with Will Smith and, and Bill Paxton and some others that, like, or not Bill Paxton, Bill Pullman. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton was an aliens. Anyway. <laughs> more. More. So, so crazy. The point is that, you know, that's the, the, the War of the Wells is... War of the Wells. War of the Worlds was based on an H.G. Wells novel and stayed pretty faithful to that novel. Right. When books... Or when, when, when movies stay pretty faithful to the novels, they tend to be pretty good movies. Yeah, I think that's probably... You know, it, whenever, whenever they deviate a great deal... Except for Twilight. Well... I don't know. I've never read the Twilight. <laughs> you should. Novel. You should, brother. I could do. I could talk about Twilight for eight hours. <laughs> Twilight. Twilight maintains almost a word for word consistency with the books, and uh, they probably shouldn't have done that yeah. because the books are hot garbage. But you, you've got to just. The the thing is, uh, I think maybe Twilight runs into the problem that some of the same problems like Harry Potter runs into. They have these long, legacy books mm-hmm. and these these giant fan bases and it's almost impossible to please the people You're or right. to stay true to them like uh, it's remarkable that Peter Jackson did as well as he did with the with the Lord of the Rings toilet trilogy mm-hmm. because I mean let's face it the Hobbit was shit like like oh, that, no, that, Hob- was, that was the Hobbit films garbage. are offensive yeah They're morally but offensive. Uh, like they for for the most part by and large the Lord of the Rings movies hold up they're they're decent there's been some changes made cinema cinematically there's certain things you have to do you can't you know you have to show a battle you know on a on a movie you can't just talk about it right so they they did things that were not exactly true to the book they completely skipped tom bombadil which they did i still don't understand why they did that but taken as a whole you can never have read the books watch the movies and enjoy them you can yes, uh, and yes. you can have read the books your whole life, watch the movies, and enjoy them. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as you're not going to be overly like intentionally critical of them. Sure, they're they're fine. They're fine movies. The Return of the King, like I said, has some some overacting in it. It's sure, but I think they made it longer than it needed to be. Because yeah, I think you're right. I they were trying to keep the four hour format for each one, and it's like they started putting shit in there that they just didn't need. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, they started getting jokey. Maybe getting a little overconfident, yeah. You know, putting in little true. things that were. If you're not going to include the scouring of the Shire, yeah. Which, which, by the way, is a giant mistake. The scouring of the Shire is fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, you know? right. And, and, and the four hobbits return and kick Saruman out. Yeah. You know, by the nature of their own strength and ability to fight people, yeah. that's good shit. But if you're not going to do scouring of the Shire, you don't need to do. Um, you know, uh, what felt like an extra hour of slow motion Sam walking through the Shire. <laughs> right. Or, or, or Frodo staring wistfully out, you know. And <laughs> yeah, it got a little, it got a little uh, thick there at the end. But, but as, as a whole, I would say that those movies were done well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, like, each, each, each movie that's considered timeless is usually the first of its kind. Right? Yeah. So, like, a War of the Worlds was the first of its kind mm-hmm. and it's considered a cla- the original one not the Tom Cruise one right, it's right. considered a classic mm-hmm. right um, when, when you have something that's novel that's new that's that's the first of its kind that's something that tends to last a lot longer yeah. you know and 
also you don't have to worry about explanations as much. Yeah. Like uh, um, a perfect example for this is The Walking Dead, the TV show. Okay. Right. The Walking Dead comes out the first season six episodes long. No one explains why there's zombies. No one cares. Like it's just, they just are. Just go with it. Right. Mm. When you're fucking ten seasons into it, you better start answering those questions, and you can't, and that's why the show's terrible, now, right? <laughs> sure. So, like, if you have a movie, you don't have to worry about that. You can just right. you can just tell the story, and it's over with before you have the chance to people have the chance to grasp it and think about it too much, right? Right. <laughs> right? Um, uh, movies like Platoon, right? Sure. Um, when it first came out, it it, it showed warfare in a way that had never been really shown before on film mm-hmm. right the vietnam war was you know all wars are horrific right mm-hmm. all wars are horrific but they had always been portrayed as sort of these heroic sort of um valiant propaganda pieces and then when platoon came out and made it you know it was almost anti-government sure told from the story of a you know a, a volunteer uh Based strongly on um, Oliver Stone's life, Oliver Stone directed mm-hmm. it and wrote it, and I mean he was a veteran of, of Vietnam. You know, a lot of the things that happened to Platoon were direct experiences from his life. They were fictionalized, of course, but they, like the influences and things. But that was the first time that people really saw, mm-hmm. like, holy shit, that guy's guts came out, and it wasn't like um, glorified. It wasn't. Right, it wasn't right. shown in a way that was supposed to be heroic. It was shown in a way that was tragic, and that movie has endured forever. You know, Saving Private Ryan was long after that, but it was also the first World War II movie that was really, really gritty in that sense that you have twenty minutes of an Omaha beach landing at the beginning of that movie where everybody just goes, "Holy fuck!" There's no slow motion. There's no trumpeting music in the background or flags waving. Like it's just, it's just visceral. Holy shit! This is real, you right, know. Right. And and that leaves an impression in people's minds, right? So Saving Private Ryan gets elevated to this, you mm-hmm. know wonderful mm-hmm. war movie because it's the first of its kind the first one to do it that way right so that's important too like you can't do the same thing over and over again and and achieve the same results mm-hmm. and what what it sounds like you're saying and i and i would agree with it is ultimately a good film a film that and, and i think this is true even of of a bad film like a bad good film like <laughs> chronicles of riddick like a good film has a point sure a good film has a, a thing you're going for. Even if it's just an adrenaline rush. Yeah, even exactly. Right. Even if it's just an adrenaline rush. A great example of that is Taken. You ever right. seen Taken? Yeah. yeah. Um, quick side story, because <laughs> Nick listens to this. So Nick is a year older than me. He's in college, right? Uh-huh. And Nick's then-girlfriend, now-wife, Angie, another one of my best friends, and I are the lone survivors in, in high school. It is just <laughs> Angie and I against the world. And... All of the guys who are trying to sleep with Angie, who I'm like, you do not want to do that. (laughs) She's great. You do not want to do that. That would be bad. Like, do not try to do that. Uh, But anyway, um, Taken is coming out. And Angie's like, man, I really want to watch, I really want to watch Qui-Gon Jinn beat the shit out of people. I'm like, man, me too. And Nick's like, well, I'm in fucking college. (laughs) And under no circumstances... Are you allowed to see that movie without me? And Angie's like, okay, fine. He's, she's like, I fucking mean it. <laughs> Don't you go and see that movie. Yeah. Fine. And so 
here's my memory. Angie, if you listen to this, let me know if I got if I got the setup wrong. My memory is there is uh, the the electricity. Angie and I, okay, the electricity in our high school went out. In like at like nine in the morning, there's no electricity. We're all in the auditorium, waiting, waiting to know what the next step is. Nothing, nothing's going on. We don't know what's going to happen. And finally, they're like, "Ah, we can't get the electricity back on." Everybody go home. And so Angie and I go out. Everybody's going out. And I am like, Angie, give me a ride home. And she's like, Yeah, I'll give you a ride home. And so I get in Angie's car. Angie gets, you know, gets in the driver's seat. And I look at her and I'm like, Do you want to go see Taken? <laughs> and Angie's like, We can't. We can't. And she's like, like putting it in. And, and we go and see Taken, you know, at like at like ten o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday. It's like us and like three old people. And we are like, oh like we are screaming at it's great. And we walked out and we're like, Nick can never know about this injustice. And uh, and we we did that same thing, uh, a similar thing. We played hooky and did a similar thing with X Men Origins, that mm-hmm. awful movie with Wolverine and Lee Schreibler as Sabretooth. That's another story. Mm-hmm. And then Nick found out years later and was like, "You both of you." Well, did you go see Taken with Nick? At some no. Point? Oh no no no. Nick actually now refuses to see it. <laughs> Nick's like Nick's like no. I'm never. I I won't. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say what would have been more more. Interesting would have been you guys going to see it with Nick. Yeah, we go and, and pretending like you had never seen it, and well, trying to react the same way that you did when you did see it, or or a... pulling this oracle bullshit like where like you just somehow call what was gonna happen. Right. And he's like, wow, you guys are genius. How, how do you do wow, this? Look at like, that. No. Well, you could tell Nick you didn't see that in the first scene. Whatever no, that. Like, is. Come on, this is all it's, it's all obvious. <laughs> no, that would have been that would have been a level that that, that would have been too high of a level. But yeah, Nick now Nick's like I've never seen Taken. I've never seen a Taken. I'll never see Taken. I don't care. And sometimes Angie and I'll bring it up, and Nick's like, "You all need to shut your whore mouth right now. How dare you?" But uh, but Taken, Taken's a great example of a film that um, the goal was an adrenaline rush, right? And so that's what that's they did. It. Yeah, that's what they did, and that's fine. Yeah, it's exactly. It's fine. You decent actors. It was a tightly written movie. It, it didn't have to um, make us think. Like it didn't that's, get bigger than itself. Exactly. Right. That's not the point. Movies should be that way. Right. Is my point. Like like I will never understand films that make me go, What is the point of this? Like yeah. like why why do this? Like like it I don't get it. You know, none of the Riddick movies are that way. That's one of the things that I like about the Riddick franchise actually, is that each movie is a is a a sort of a genre film, right? Mm-hmm. I, I say that sometimes of the better Marvel films. Mm-hmm. But um, like Pitch Black is a horror film. Yeah, Chronicles of Riddick is a is a fantasy adventure film. Right. The uh, the third live action movie Riddick Riddick is is a sort of a strange combination of both. It, it has it's a survival esque you know mm-hmm. a, a fantasy film with uh, with Dave Bautista and uh, and the, the 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 chick who ends up being the one leader of the Mandalorian group in the Mandalorian. Like, <laughs> uh, Katie, I can't think of Katie, her name. What's her name? Like I said, the, the, for a movie to be timeless is important. Yeah. Something that, that can 
stand the test of time and still be prescient in whatever time. Like, that's why I want you to watch Dr. Strangelove. It was mm. written in 1964, and it, like, if you watch it, it's exactly right. If you, we're going to, we're going to stop this episode. We're going to sign us off, and I'm going to, we're going to go watch Highlander. We're not going to watch Highlander. <laughs> I'm going to watch you play Hollow Knight, and, oh, then, yeah. and then we're going to go to sleep. Okay. You know? <laughs> well, the last time I made you watch a movie, I made you watch uh, Dog Soldiers. I, I love that. I like that movie. <laughs> I like that movie because... I thought Do- Dog Soldiers was great. Do- Dog Soldiers is a fun movie. It's very silly. You should go... Well, I'll put all of these movie recommendations in the episode. <laughs> um, Dog Soldiers, if you guys have ever watched Gotham... Which I'd recommend for the first like two and a half seasons. After that, it gets a little weird. Yeah. But uh, uh, the lead guy in Dog Soldiers plays Kevin uh, McKidd. Kevin McKidd plays an absolutely kick-ass Alfred Pennyworth <laughs> in Gotham. He really does. He was like, also in HBO's Rome. Oh, you know what? I can believe yeah, that. He was he, in, he's he got that look. He's got that Vis- look. Vis- Vis- Viserius or something in Rome. Sure. But yeah. Good actor. He's, he's, he's a decent There's actor. another guy in there in, in Dog Soldiers. His name's Sean Pertwee. He's been in a couple of other things that you'll rec- you'd recognize him from. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the guy with the, the that was the, the, the lieutenant or the sergeant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, there's some surprisingly good acting in that show. I mean, mm-hmm. as, as silly as the thing is, I really just liked the aesthetic of it. I thought it looked cool. It's a, it's a good-looking film. It was quick. That, it that's was... actually that's actually maybe maybe one of the last things I'll, we'll talk about on this. One of the other ways that a movie can be timeless is with less CGI effects. Yeah, yeah. And Dog Soldiers, I think, is a good example of that, where, yeah. where um, you've got practical effects... That are shot in the right way, uh-huh. and so even though like and, and and so you're able to suspend your disbelief because right. you go, yeah. In the same way, you can suspend your disbelief when you watch like a Muppet film, right? Mm-hmm. It's a similar thing. It's not exactly the same, but like, yes, when you watch Muppet Treasure Island, you know that Kermit the Frog <laughs> is a Muppet. However, because of because of the practical nature of the Muppet, because because it's not CGI Yoda flipping right. around, right? Like you're able to be like you're able to suspend your disbelief and be like, well, but that's Kermit. Well, you know? and the other thing it does is it, it makes the it makes the storyteller work harder. It does. Right? Like that's one of the reasons why Jaws works so well. Exactly. You know, like you never see the shark. Mm-hmm. You never see the shark because they couldn't get it to fucking work half the time. Mm-hmm. You know, and it made the movie better. It made the storytelling better because they couldn't just flip Yoda around on the screen for right. twenty minutes and just bypass it. Like practical effects force a storyteller to tell a better story. You're right. You know, and I think that's really evident in Dogs. It's evident it's evident in Jaws, it's evident in Dog Soldiers. It's it's something that I wish we could go almost go back to. Not that Mm -hmm. there's no use for CGI. I mean the Hulk would be impossible to do with Lou Ferrigno running around painted green. Like it just doesn't work. I get it. Certain (laughs) things call for CGI. But if you don't have to use it, don't. Yeah, I completely agree, and 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 you can tell there there's a real, uh, I think, kind of visceral difference mm-hmm. when when you're looking at a practical effect, you know, there because it's because it's real, it's earthy, and 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 there and there's something to it that I think you react. You get to. better reaction from your your cast. I remember the movie Alien. Sure. Whenever the the alien the chestburster first pops out of mm-hmm. of the stomach of the mm-hmm. guy, the 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 special effects team never told any of the actors. That that was going to happen. Right. So whenever that scene happened at first, you know Sigourney Weaver's face is an authentic. Oh my God! Because she didn't know it was coming. Right, she didn't right. know what it was going to look like. I think I read that one guy and, legitimately threw up. Yeah, like, yeah. And and that's like you can't. 
act that. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you can't like that's that's how you really get a, a solid mm-hmm. performance out of people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And again, Alien, timeless movie, right? I think you're right. Um, no, I think that I think that is correct. Is is I think timeless films um, use real stuff, um, and and deal with themes that are timeless, particularly when and particularly when the film does not rely on like. A kind of technology or a kind of current event that turns everything. Right. This is something that. Um, um, this is what's going to make, I think personally, what's going to make the new Star Wars trilogy sort of unrecognizable in twenty years. Like like uh like, so like what is going on? <laughs> you know like like. Well, you have to understand. At the time, there is this push. You know towards. Uh, crafting um, inclusivity into inclusivity and female characters into movies, and making sure that these female characters and these other inclusive elements not only took on an important role, but but an important role that was not really stereotypical, critiquable, or stereo or stereotypical, which is why. Um, the Last Jedi looks like a Nissan Altima commercial, right? You know, and and, and I've said this before, and, and why Ray uh, has no bad thing legitimately happened to her, right? Um, even though that's not the case for Luke, or it's not the case for for you know anything else. But I once again, it's a, it's a studio imposing ideals onto a storyline mm-hmm. that fucked the movie up. Right, it, it it's another example of meddling, mm-hmm. in in putting unnecessary things into a story, because of other motivations other than telling that story. Right, you know, it's You're the right. crucifix behind Clark Kent. Behind Clark Kent, you know, and and like and for Star Wars, for those for for in particular Last Jedi, but it's there, it's there in the Rise of Skywalker, the. Whenever I critique these films with some of my more liberal friends, like Joe, Joe, if you're listening, how you doing? Um, <laughs> Love your podcast, Joe. Yes, uh, big fan. I, I'm in that <laughs> big one. Big fan. Um, uh, I I'm often you know kind of like it, it's not that I'm in my, it's not that I'm yelled at, but but I'm kind of like they they give me the you're an old man shouting at the sky <laughs> kind of a thing, and I'm like no, I I understand that critique and I will accept it, but like. I want diversity without any thought behind it isn't really diversity. Right. It's so so like at the end of a new hope, famously, at the end of the new hope, somebody asked George Lucas why there were no black people in the Rebel Alliance. Right. And here's the thing, that is not not only is that a good question to ask for you know we should always be asking that as white people like how come I haven't seen a black person in a year? Like, yeah. like you know, where where are they? Yeah. Like, because um, it could be on us. But from a from the entire point of the film perspective, yeah, why the fuck is it just white well, people I, in the Rebel but, Alliance? But there was only like four of them. Sure, there's Luke, Leia, they're twins. Okay, so they're probably both going to be the same race. No, no, <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean in terms of main characters. But there was like, a Wookiee. There, there was, was. <laughs> but, but like, but like the the critique, the the question is. Why does the entirety of the Rebel Alliance look the same? Right. They are the Rebel Alliance of the peoples, not just human beings, of the whole galaxy up mm-hmm. against the Empire. Right. And so by Empire and by Return of the Jedi, you had a, con- a, a collection of 
human and non-human, humans of various races, aliens of various races, all in the Rebel Alliance, and there's a reason for that, because it makes fucking sense. Right, Because sure. it's the Rebel Alliance. But by the time you get to The Last Jedi, the First Order is apparently an equal opportunity employer <laughs> in which in which uh, it's good that black women in like colonel outfits are like you may fire when ready murder them murder the whole crew like like like, like but what like sure yes anybody can be a monster i understand that my problem is is like it is done so it, it ham fisted it is done ham fistedly and there was obviously no thought behind right. it like like well these people are evil i mean okay but like there's you have on you have not done the work to show me evil, you know. Right. Well, we don't just want to show a bunch of white people. I'm gonna be honest with you. I really don't know why. It's not. It's not like I'm gonna walk away thinking white people are evil any more than I already do. Right. But but like all of the world, the world empires that we have in our heads are like Nazis like like yeah. why why would they that's what, they that's be what very clearly the empire the galactic empire was based on right and so let's just do that you know? like it doesn't have to we it's like oh did you hear that stormtrooper that died yeah that was a black woman stormtrooper and she got murdered yeah. oh well see what? here's the thing with and this this may be part of my white privilege showing through but like i could have watched the original new hope star wars and never even had that cross my mind sure. about it being racially insensitive to not have any mm-hmm. black people in the rebellion or whatever. Just not having that enter my young uh, mind as a, a story element that needed to be there. Mm-hmm. Now, having said that, had there been other people of color mixed in there and it not been put in there um, with intent... Mm-hmm. If it had just been cast that way, that like, you know, there was a, di- a diverse group of people, I wouldn't have noticed that either. Sure, sure. Right. I think the the thing that that makes it stand out so much is that in A New Hope, I didn't notice it. I wasn't thinking about it. But as I grew older, and as other people grew older, and as the films progressed, people were talking about it, and then it started getting shoved mm-hmm. in there, and it made it noticeable. Sure. Like, if, if I go to a baseball game today mm-hmm. and I see white guys and black guys and Asian guys and Middle Eastern guys, like, it, uh, I don't even think about it. Why would I? Sure. You know, and it would be the same thing as when I'm watching a movie. If the, you know, if they cast, um, if they cast, uh, what was um, Finn's name? Oh, uh, John Boyega. They would have cast John Boyega in the, in the spot of, of, like, the Han Solo st- style figure. Mm-hmm. Which I think is what they were trying to do. Right. Like the first time in A New Hope, I would have known anything about. It. I wouldn't have thought about it, you know. Sure. But like Harrison Ford was, was my Han Solo, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So, but I, I mean, it wasn't because he was white. No, and I know? understand that. I understand that. I think I think what for me, like I I think that, um, I'm I'm a hundred percent cool with with having diverse casts in just about any film. Right. I want that. I'm 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 comfortable with that totally. Um, what I don't want is thoughtless um, pandering. That's not right. what I want. Right. And so and so, um, a good example of this is like: Have you ever watched Firefly? You, of yeah. course you have. Oh, of course yeah. you have. Of course. Fi- Firefly. What am Who I saying? Are you talking to? I know that <laughs> Firefly is a great example. You have this really diverse cast of people, mm-hmm. um, who who are not 
colorblind, and so I'm thinking about Zoe. Right. It's not. It's not Zoe's as a black. The black woman who is Zoe, is not irrelevant. Zoe is a black person. Yeah. Who who is not pretending to not be black, but her, but but it's not as though she is put in for diversity. Right, and it's not. It's it's part of the vision not, of. Fire it's not really Fire. known. Like, nobody really cares. Yeah, it's not as though that comes up, yeah, no. but, but the thing is, is that Zoe is, my point is, is that the the whole crew of, the whole Firefly crew, um, uh, with with women and men and, and different people of color, um, is allowed to breathe as a diverse group of, of people. Naturally. Naturally. Right. And, and, and what that means is... This is like why I think um, I'm I'm totally okay with like uh, casting differently different rate uh, colored people. That seems like a weird thing to say <laughs> at, at, in in characters that are traditionally like white. Yeah, like I have no problem with that because for me I go yeah I think that should be done. Um, a not not just because I have an ideological reason why, but because they're made up characters anyway. Why the fuck not? You know. Yeah. So if you want to cast uh, there for a little while, there there's this push to cast Idris Elba as the next uh, um, James Bond, mm-hmm. and and uh, you've got people on the internet who are like, well, James Bond is white, and then you got people on the internet that says James Bond isn't real. Yeah, and, start with that. <laughs> and, then, and and Idris Elba is smooth as hell. Yeah, yeah, like Idris Elba and, could totally pull off and, and would be a kick-ass yeah. James Bond. Um, and and like for me, I'm like, great, let's do that. Like like the argument that, um, the argument that's all often thrown out, sort of against, against diversity, is what I'm putting air quotes. People is. Uh, well, what if the white guy is just the best hire? And I usually say, "You don't. Do you really think that? Like, like, <laughs> like I understand why you say that, and I'm not like I understand why you say that, but like, there's some black and brown and Asian actors and actresses that absolutely blow people out of the water. Oh yeah. And so, did you like, ever see Denzel? Exactly. Like, like, Denzel is fucking De- incredible. Denzel Washington, an American gangster, like yeah. made I, I was I was blown the Denzel fuck away. Denzel and everything he's ever done. He's yeah, he's amazing. And so like I sit there and I'm like, well, what if the white guy is the best choice? In that scenario, fine. Mm-hmm. My whole thing is that if you if you kind of decide right away, nah, this this guy's got to be white, and you're not telling a story about the rise of Nazi Germany. Right. That's weird. Like I sit yeah. there and I go, well, why? Why does he have to be white? You yeah. know. And and in moments like that, I think are fine. Like Luke Skywalker's white. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. He was cast as Mark Hamill. That that that's fine. We move on. Yeah. You know. But uh, and he was also cast in the mid seventies. He was cast was a different in the film 70s. industry at the time. Right. You know. Um. I I often when I read a book of uh, a fiction. I I picture an individual in my mind mm-hmm. based on the character that I'm reading, and um, one of the most recent books I read was uh, was called um, the what was it called the I was just telling you about it, the vampire thing oh uh, the strain the strain the strain mm-hmm. yeah so that was written in two thousand nine when I read the book it reads very much like a movie and I was envisioning in my head the different characters right and I was like putting um, people like 
into these roles as I was reading them, and I envisioned the main character. For some reason, it just seemed like a Michael B. Jordan. That's like what yeah, it looked God. like. My, man, Michael B. Jordan in my is head. So fucking good. In my head, mm-hmm. like when as I was reading it, and he's like the head. He's one of the head scientists at the CDC, mm-hmm. and he gets called, and like like that was just the image that I had, and it was you know a black guy, but it wasn't written for a black guy. It wasn't written to be a black guy. It very easily could have been Michael B. Jordan in the movie. Sure. Or in the TV show, which FX later produced, and they put it out, and it was a white guy, and the guy's terrible. Like, right. right? It was, he was terrible. But, like, but my point is, like, you could have made that with a black star or a white star. It doesn't, it, it wasn't specific. It right. didn't matter which one it was. So why not use Michael B. Jordan? He would have been a great, mm-hmm. great actor for that. You mm-hmm. know, why, why pick this douche? You know, right. the reason the the guy the main character's name is Efren. Okay. And they call him F True. all the time, and for some reason, just the way he was written, I like that was the image I got was like Michael B. Jordan's face, and sure. that's how I envisioned it. And then I watched the movie or the uh, TV show on Hulu, which is awful, by the mm-hmm. way. The book was fine. The, never seen it. it was awful, um, and I, and I was really upset that they didn't look like what I wanted it to look like. It didn't look like it did in my head. You know, right. the the Jewish guy that's uh, like the old vampire hunter. He first encounters the uh, the the master vampire in a in a Polish prison camp in World War Two, mm. and I envisioned him like in my head. He looked like the character, the cartoon character in the movie Up. Oh, okay, that's interesting. <laughs> okay, so, like that was just like the. Picture that I picture a, a, a human being, mm. not a cartoon, but like with those sort of features. Like that's who I envisioned him as, right. and they made him like this, like super badass, like, and it, was, yeah. it fucking sucked. It fucking sucked because yeah. it what it didn't follow like the the spirit of the character in the book, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And they could have done it with just, you know, making their cast a little bit less. Uh, Forced. <laughs> right, right, right. I'm with you. So, Sign us off. I will. Listeners, long story short, movies suck for a lot of reasons, but we we like some of them. Uh, friends, this has been a live episode of Hookah Chats with Matt and Ethan. We're excited to be recording this and for you to listen to it. We will see you next time. <laughs>